Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, John O'Brien, uh, based right here in the, the great town of Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. I am uh, you know, with the Keystone Contractors Association, and I'm joined as always, by, uh, joined as always with uh, Chris Martin. Chris, what's going on? Hey, John. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing all right. Doing Good. Well. Yeah, I, and for the record, I am coming to you from the great village of Swickley, uh, just a little bit west of Pittsburgh. Uh, so we've got the state covered off here a little bit. Um, and I am with Atlas Marketing, and we tell stories for people who build things. Yes. Yeah, I have to agree with you. We do have the state covered. You know, yeah. from, uh, from Erie to Philadelphia, Scranton, Everything in between Pittsburgh. We just went over a thousand downloads just in a couple weeks with Building PA. So, so either the construction industry is listening to us, or my mom has been extremely busy just downloading and downloading. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I I, I want to think that it's the uh, industry, right? You know. I hope uh, so. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're uh, really excited about today. We always love talking safety. Um, so that's a, a big topic of ours. We like to bring on some contractors to talk safety and share best practices. Um, but who better than than OSHA? You know, Dale Dale Glacken, Dale Glacken from uh, OSHA. He's the Central PA Compliance Assistance Officer. I think I got that title correct. So, uh, Dale, welcome How to the show. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. Yeah. How about Excellent. yourself? Uh, getting ready for another heat season. Yeah, we're going to talk heat today. But uh, before we jump to the main the main topic here, you maybe want to uh, introduce yourself uh, to the to the audience. You know, you you grew up in Johnstown, I believe. And how do we go from Johnstown to now being the OSHA's primary person right here in Central PA? How do we do this? Well, a number of years ago, I. Uh, Finished um, school and co college, Penn State, right here in Pennsylvania as well, and uh, was offered a position with the military as a civilian, uh, working as a safety engineer to build the largest at that time distribution center in the, for the military and the second largest in the world, only second at that time to uh, Kmart. And mm -hmm. so I started my career uh, working safety doing construction work with the uh, with the military, working hand-in-hand yeah. hand with the Corps of Engineers. Yeah. How long have you been with uh, with OSHA then? I've been with OSHA right at uh, right before the World Trade Center, so around 2000. And okay. um, so the first half of my career, I uh, actually implemented the rules so I knew what it was like to actually be uh, on the contractor side, making sure mm -hmm. things happen safely. And then when I moved over to OSHA, I stepped into enforcement, which I did for a number of years until one day I had the opportunity to, to actually give back all my years of experience and knowledge to others as the compliance assistant specialist out of the Harrisburg office. And he, and he does give back. You know, I've known him now, I guess, a little over four years and pick up the phone you know, he's right there with, with answers and resources. He's talking to our membership numerous times over the past few years. Uh, Dale, it's great to know you. You're a wealth of knowledge. Um, I'm looking forward to today's uh, discussion. Thank you. I, uh, 
And just as a side note, I have 36 years in safety, so uh, I've been doing this for a little while. Yeah. yeah. Who, who better to talk about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, today's focus is going to be heat, but do you maybe want to just touch on the uh, OSHA, OSHA calendar for a little bit and maybe touch on the focus for just, just quickly, just to get people up to date? Excellent. Um, yeah. Each year... I put out uh, a calendar of events, not just OSHA events, but uh, other organizations who touch safety as well. And um, if you could make that available to the members, what I find it's good for, it helps people generate uh, a calendar. Where do they go from here? What, what's a good topic for March? Or when are ladders discussed? Different things like that. It gives people direction and a guide, so um, it helps out quite a bit. Um, and with that, I always include OSHA's Focus 4, which we've done now for the last four years, where we're focusing on the top four construction hazards, that being uh, the top one, of course, being falls, struck by, struck against, and electrical. So we try to put information out each year. Uh, this year, we put out the March electrical safety information, uh, but with COVID, and all the emphasis there and all the work we're trying to do to help industry succeed, uh, we had actually um, stopped the Focus 4 campaign for the year. But what I would like to do, if anybody's interested, is to continue that uh, with folks that might be interested um, into the year using some of the materials we've put out in previous years that people may not have seen. So if anybody's interested, I'm, I'm more than willing to help share that information. Oh, that's great, and we'll we'll uh, definitely get the information out to our members. So, yeah. hey, hey, Dale, before we move on, how how do people get a hold of your calendar? Is there a place that they um, can sign up for, or well, they can either email me direct, or since they're probably um, John's uh, part of his stakeholders. What I could do, and it probably get farther, would be for me to forward it to John and let him send it out from there. That's a good Perfect. Idea. We can do that. Awesome. Well, there's a good little intro on uh, Dale showing off his safety knowledge and his willingness to share resources. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I share everything. And, and for the record, I know how much Dale helps people because we've gone, we've come to him for, with clients a lot in the past, and he has been extremely helpful. So if people out there aren't familiar with Dale, pick up the phone and call him or shoot him an email because I know he will respond. Yes, absolutely. And today he's going to respond to us, and he's going to talk heat here. So uh, you want to maybe kick it off and talk about, you know, what is the hazard, you know, when it comes to working in heat, and you know, what are the uh, Resources that are out there. Just kind of, you want to just kind of set the set the foundation for today's uh, discussion. Talking about heat. Well, what I'd like to do is um, we'll we'll talk about why we have problems with heat. The problems with the body um, generating too much heat, not being able to expel it. Uh, because if you understand that, then it's easy to understand the different illnesses. And then once you know the illnesses, you know what's causing the problem within the body. And then from that, we can figure out what would be the appropriate first aid to protect somebody. And then also knowing how the body works, it's helpful because we would then understand what we need to do in our work environment, with our job tasks, uh, to actually affect that, to, to, to protect our bodies. 
Uh, I also wanted to go over different types of ways of knowing if, if we are getting into a situation, what, what, what methods or metrics we have out there to actually measure some of this, a little bit about engineering controls, work practice controls, and then uh, boil it down to our, our favorite uh, three words for heat stress, and that's water, rest, and shade. But we'll talk about some other things and, and OSHA, as well as other uh, resources that companies can use to help their workers. And then I'll probably end with, with two thoughts. The one would be, um, what is Friday? And that was actually last Friday, the, the uh, Friday before Memorial Day, as well as uh, maybe a heat stress campaign, what you can do to actually put one of those on. And since it's getting warmer out right now, this is a perfect time of year to hit this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you maybe want to touch on, you know, what is the hazard and what are some of the symptoms? Excellent. What, what happens with the body um, when we're exposed to warmer, more humid environments, um, our body responds. And so one of the things that it does through our circulatory system, it actually moves the blood to closer to the skin to try to get our body to uh, just get rid of the excess heat. And if that's not possible, then the body starts sweating. And the mechanism that actually brings this whole thing into play, it's in our, it's in our uh, center of our brain. It's actually a mechanism called the hypothalamus. And it actually controls this thermometer that tells the body what it needs to do and when. And then once the body starts to store too much heat, our heart rate increases, uh, the, the body's trying to get more heat to the exterior of the body, and then as a result, um, it can actually cause somebody to have a, uh, different conditions. And the, the least of the conditions is a heat rash, which is basically also known as prickly heat or a skin irritation caused by that sweating because the body's trying to expel the heat. Um, but it does not evaporate as fast as it should and this heat rash is probably the most common problem that workers experience that are in heat a lot. From there, we get into something a little more serious that affects the muscles called heat cramps, and that's the loss of the salts and fluid. And that's one of the reasons we keep telling people water and then rest and shade, but the water is so important to make sure we're maintaining the proper amount of water and salt in our system, because if you get too low of a level of salt in your muscles, it'll cause these painful cramps or tired muscles from working long hours. Then stepping it up to the next notch where the body's having problems is heat exhaustion. And then once again, this comes from the lack of uh, water and salt from that heavy sweating. And people come, can have uh, headaches as a result, nausea, dizziness, weakness, irritability, thirst, maybe even heavy sweating as their body's getting rid of what water they have. And then the most serious condition is called heat stroke. And this is something you never want. I've uh, actually been with um, somebody. We were out uh, doing a rather long bicycle ride in the area. We were out about 25 miles, and uh, he was going through heat stroke, so we had to get him help. But um, in this particular case, uh, it's the most serious form of heat stress, and it's when the body becomes unable to regulate its core temperature. So that hypothalamus, uh, that thermostat, thermostat like in your car, uh, is no longer able to regulate the body. The sweating process stops. The body can get not, cannot get rid of its excess heat. And the person, since, since their, their system's starting to shut down, they're confused, 
they lose consciousness, they may go into heat seizure, and um, people die from this. Um, in the Harrisburg area alone, uh, South Central PA, over the last decade, we've actually had three workers who died from heat stress. Uh, one was a, a younger man, a carpenter, and uh, he had not been doing roofing work. It wasn't his line of work. He wasn't used to it, um, and passed away. In all three of these cases, the workers real, uh, or their coworker realized they had a problem got them to the hospital so they didn't die on the job site uh, and they were not able to revive them they, they took their body too far and the body could not return um, one was a middle-aged man one was a young man and one was in between um, all three all three people died after three hours in the hospital hmm. that's a shame um, as far as those those cases, I mean, was it too hot? I mean, what, what do you go by when it comes to temperature? Is it, is it the heat index you're looking at, temperature? It, that's it exactly. Um, it's a combination of temperature, heat, radiant energy, and it actually ends up being uh, quantified as what's called the heat index. And so the um, safety community put together the heat index and you can actually see that on our web page. But as the temperature gets higher, or the humidity starts getting higher, we start going up higher and higher with our heat index. And based on that, it determines what a person needs to do to protect themselves. So depending on the scale, um, the higher they are in the index, I guess the more water and the more shade and more rest. Is that kind of how that works? Is that correlation? Exactly, um, and there's a number of things that can be done um, because if you have no controls at all, or maybe you're working in an area where you're working with hot objects, maybe you're you're welding or you're soldering or it's a confined space. Maybe you're in that attic and you're pulling in extra heat because you're in the attic area. Uh, maybe you're installing a, a fan or pulling some wires, working on the duct, some duct work. There's no air movement hardly at all. Those tasks can even make it worse than what it is outside. Or, or some of the other jobs. Maybe you're putting a roof on a, a building. All that excess heat from those shingles is, is coming back at you. Maybe you're doing some work along the highway. You're, you're um, helping to pave, doing some asphalt work. You're picking up that extra heat, not only from the, the hot asphalt, but it, it's dark. The sun's coming down. It's beating on it. It's making it warmer. Um, as the day goes on, the day gets hotter. Around 2 o'clock, it starts to peak. So all these things can build up that heat to the point where you're having problem. Um, how do you measure it? Well, Early on, we used to have a little device back in the 80s that was called a sling psychrometer. It was easy to use to measure um, the temperature, the humidity. And then a more sophisticated device came out called the wet bulb globe temperature, which is just that. It's a wet bulb. It's, it's a um, dry bulb. And then it's a globe that picks up the radiant heat. And then mathematically, it comes up with that index. Another way to get the index is either to go to OSHA's or the CDC's webpage, download our app. It's uh, available either as a Droid or for uh, iPhone users, and it gives you a feel for what it would be outside. Um, the problem with that, though, is it's, it's good for outside readings, but if you're in an area where you have additional heat load or, or you're in a tight space where you're not getting air movement, well, well now you've got to start factoring that in as well. 
And then for extreme heat alerts, NOAA, uh, the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration, they're the ones who actually come out and tell us when we're having a heat wave, so we need to watch that as well. So these are all good things to watch. And it never hurts to watch your workforce. Watch your coworker because you get somebody who's worked with you for a week or two and, and they're fine and now they're having problems. Or maybe you have somebody new on the team, like the carpenter I mentioned. He wasn't mm -hmm. used to working um, in the heat. He wasn't climatized to it, and he had problems with it. Well, Dale, what, what can employers do to, to help their employees uh, prepare for this? Plan and prepare for it. Um, when the summer season comes along, start checking the app, see what's predicted for the day, see where things are going. Look at the work that the folks are going to do. Try to plan accordingly. And there, there is a chance here to actually make some, some, uh, some changes. For instance, let me just uh, run through a few of those. You can use some engineering controls sometimes. Uh, maybe you can get the folks out of the heat. Uh, have a, a break area, a way they can get away from the heat. Um, high in the sky, best case scenario, maybe you could move them into an area, a break room or whatever with some air conditioning. That's not always possible. Maybe some general ventilation, just a, a fan in the area. Um, I've seen some roofers already set up um, little tents for the workers to get down off the roof, to get under the tent to get out of the heat, to enjoy some water, and just take a few minutes before going back up. Um, maybe you're doing a, a job where you're actually welding or, or doing something that's hot in an isolated area, and you can put a local exhaust fan and pull that heat away. Or maybe you're getting some uh, radiant heat, and you can put up some type of a shield between you and the radiant heat. Um, maybe you're in a furnace area, maybe you're, you're called out, you're re-insulating a furnace or you're working at one of the boiler houses, the three of the boilers are running, the fourth one's not, you're out there working, uh, maybe there's an opportunity to put some insulation up or maybe you have some steam leaks, you're out, out doing some uh, pipe fitting and, and you have to work on that equipment. So that would be the engineering controls. Uh, work practices, put together an emergency plan to figure out whether or not people are overexposed, what they need to do, get new guys on the team or folks that aren't used to the heat, build them up to the heat, give them a week or two to build up, reducing their workload, encouraging them to have uh, more frequent breaks, um, making sure they have uh, adequate water available. And it's not best to drink a lot of water at a shot and then not have any for, for hours. Small amounts frequently works best, as well as work-rest cycles. Um, and then looking at, at physical demands and what time of day people do things. It might be necessary to move some of the work to earlier in the day. Uh, I've known many roofers and pavers to actually move their work to earlier in the morning so that they're out of the heat of the day. Um, that way they're not fighting with that heat. Um, rotating job functions between workers. And then looking out for each other, making sure they're not overexposed. Protective equipment can be a problem too because it can actually build up heat um, for the person. Maybe they're wearing ex extra clothing for a particular task or, or their hard hat or a respirator. I mean, you got, you got to factor that in. If you're, if you're getting uh, uniforms for the folks or, or they're coming into work, look at lighter colored clothing. And sometimes it can, if it can be loose without creating a safety hazard, that helps versus tight clothing. Maybe it would be necessary to get some special cooling devices for the workers to wear, insulated gloves, just something to help 
protect the worker from all that extra heat. And then the biggest thing that they can do is also give training so that the worker themselves can monitor themselves. They can monitor their coworkers and see where they're at. They can see what their risk factors are and figure out what they need to do uh, to prevent it. Uh, because if they know their signs and symptoms of exposure, that's the best thing. So before they get themselves in trouble, that they can take take action. Drinking water option, often, being climatized, um, being able to report their signs and symptoms to their employer before they have any issues, and so that their employer can actually respond to it. And the employer needs to also know how to get medical services immediately, as well as uh, when the medical services arrive, that the medical services will know where to go to find the person uh, rather than searching the job site. And that might be a situation where you put together a procedure where, where once the ambulance would arrive, that somebody can direct them right to where the people are at. So there's many, many good things that can be done to actually help employers get this right. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are talking with Dale Glacken of uh, Central Pennsylvania OSHA office and he has just literally unloaded an amazing amount of information about heat uh, stress and heat uh, prevention. Um, it, Dale, thank you. That was, that was amazing. That was fantastic. Um, I know from personal experience, I worked on a garbage truck for a while and, um, you know, obviously we're not talking about garbage collection, but um, one of the things I recall as you were talking, when there were really, really heat, high heat days, we would literally jump in the back of the, um, of the truck um, in between where the blade would come up just to get a little bit of prevention. Um, wasn't exactly the, the, the most glorious uh, place to be, but it, but it helped get us out of the sun. So when you said about roofers being in little, small tents, that, that really connected with me personally. So I'm sure we could we could open up a whole bunch of questions about, um, you know, how other people have protected themselves in the, in the sun while they've been working. So uh, thank you for that. Um, I, one other question for you here, Dale. I, obviously, we're living in a COVID world. Uh, is there any impact from the virus on heat-related uh, stress? One of the questions I've received is, does wearing a mask raise a person's temperature? And I'm, I'm sure it does, but this is a situation where we have multiple hazards. I, I can think back earlier in my career. Um, I started back in the days of fibrophobia, good old asbestos, and I can't tell you how many times I was standing there in a half-mask respirator, a Tyvek suit, um, and, you know, asbestos is being remediated. It wasn't pleasant. Um, you, you, and in that particular case, you were sweating inside your suit. I also used to pack rad waste, and um, you know it was more of the same. Um, are you going to get warmer wearing a mask? Most certainly. Um, but we also have that hazard to contend with, too. It hasn't gone away. Um, if we keep vigilant, with this other problem, uh, the pandemic, hopefully we can get this behind us and we won't have to worry about it anymore. I, I just have one one final question there. Um, I'm Dale. So, so my company, you know, we work a lot in the sun. You know, we're a roofer, for example. 
I want to create a campaign internally within my workforce just to educate them on, on heat stress. Um, what are some good resources and some good places I could look to, to help, help with this campaign? Fantastic question, John. Um, OSHA has put out plenty of information on our webpage. I'll give you an example of the type of information that we have. We actually have um, fact sheets that can be used uh, during toolbox talks. We have posters that can be put around the job sites as a reminder to the workers. We have them in multiple languages. We have informational sheets. So maybe at this toolbox, you use the fact sheet. And uh, three weeks from now, you use the info sheet. We have wallet cards to help get the information out. And then as far as giving the workers training, we've even put together a training guide to help workers know what to do to protect themselves. And we're not alone because um, we also work with uh, the Centers for Disease Control with information. We work with NOAA and uh, the National Safety Council puts out information. So there's no lack of information to help people. And then there's also uh, a second thing that we haven't even talked about today. We talked about the heat stress part, mm -hmm. but as we know, uh, too much ultraviolet light can produce skin cancer, and so you need to keep covered. You need to wear a, a hat, um, and those are covered by another organization called Don't Fry Day. That's F R Y Day, and uh, those are excellent resources to get ahead of that as well. As always, you uh, always know where the best resources are, and. KCA, we're kind of spoiled because you, you send them to us, and then we do weekly toolbox talks. So we uh, make sure to incorporate those great resources to our members. So uh, on behalf of the KCA members, thank you for keeping our workforce safe. So thank you. Yeah. Whatever I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is clearly evident in the amount of information that you shared with us today and, and our listeners. And I have a feeling, Dale, that we're going to ask you to come back on in the future and talk about other uh, safety-related uh, issues, especially as it relates to OSHA. Um, Dale, thank you for joining us today uh, on the Building PA podcast, and you can download and listen to other episodes related to safety and workforce development and training and everything related to the construction industry at buildingpapodcast.com or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you. Dale, thank you again. It's been a great conversation, and we look forward to the next one. Thanks, Dale. Thank you both.